All right, everybody, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Very special show today. Before we get started, though, the message of the week. You've heard it before. I've said it, but it's a common quote. Many people have said it. It was one of my favorites, and you'll understand why as we get through today's show. You miss 100% of the shots you do not take. With that, I'd like to bring on my guest today. Some of you might have heard of this gentleman. He is mostly known as uh, a co-founder and the very first CEO of Netflix. But besides that, he's got a long career as an entrepreneur and a consultant. He's had his hand in many things, and he's got something very special coming up that we're going to talk about today. With that, welcome to the show, Mark Randolph. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jeremiah. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me with you today. No, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So today, uh, we're going to talk about Mark's new podcast called that'll never work. <laughs> Something uh, I've heard many times as a, as a business owner and a person that likes to take risks. I'm sure you've heard it many more times, right? And if, I'm, uh, if, history is, if my history is correct, that was said about uh, Netflix in the early days. Isn't it true? <laughs> well, certainly. You know, it's been said about everything. I've probably heard it seven or 8,000 times in my life. But, you know, I'm not unique. You're not unique. You know, all of us have ideas. Uh, you know, anyone who's taken a shower has had an idea. <laughs> and we all do the same thing. We all want to share our ideas with people. So you come running down to tell your wife or you go tell your friends, you come into work. And that's when you get smacked with the, that'll never work. Everyone's a critic. Everyone thinks they know in advance a good idea from a bad idea. But one of the things you learn as an entrepreneur is... Uh, the corollary to that'll never work is nobody knows anything. So yeah, I heard that that Netflix over and over again from investors, from early employees, from from my wife. But you know, sometimes sometimes they do work. And and it's interesting. I think some of those uh, criticisms actually help us become better because I've heard that many times myself. And it's like, okay, well then how do I make it work, right? It kind of pushes you because if it was easy, we might not even take the risk. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, listen, the small piece of it is that, oh, okay, well, I'll show them. But that wears off pretty quickly. I think the better response is beginning to realize that uh, what do they know? That the only real way I'm going to figure out whether it's a good idea or a bad idea is by doing it. And by spending any time getting experts' opinion or looking for some kind of external validation is just a complete waste. And so, yeah, sure, I share my ideas because I'm always looking, I'm always willing to listen and willing to incorporate things that I may not have been thinking about. But I'm certainly not going to take someone's, uh, I, someone's criticism as gospel. Yeah, so I, I train martial arts. I have for a while. Um, Jiu-jitsu is my main practice. And it's, it's, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not, but it's definitely not an easy practice. And, and certainly getting to black belt is, uh, is not hard. I mean, it's not, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's very hard. It's not easy. And they say often uh, in that journey that a black belt is a white belt that just never quit. Um, so this is <laughs> this like idea, right? It's like this idea that like, you know, you can pull anything off. You just, it really takes commitment and stick to itiveness, right? Like you can make anything work with, with commitment. I've also heard, um, I'm pretty sure it was Simon Sinek say, he was talking about um, business fatalities. Um, and he was saying that uh, the statistics show that most businesses, uh, most business mortalities are the result of suicide, not homicide. That, those are his words. Yeah, that's, that's a great one too. But listen, I'll tell you what I think the single biggest fatality for every single business is, is that uh, they don't start. Uh, certainly from a, a long, long career of working with other entrepreneurs, you realize that what kills these ideas is not some collision with the marketplace where they realize, oh, my idea was, it's the fact that they never took the damn thing out of their head. Uh, they were scared. Nobody likes to fail. Nobody likes to seem like you don't know what you're doing. Nobody wants to do something that might not work. And for most people, that's the end of the journey right there. They just keep studying the problem. They keep forming their little informal task forces. They keep trying to figure out what's around the corner. They get in a stool. They've been there. And this and the only way to know what's around the corner is to take those couple steps so you can look. 
Uh, and if you're not willing to do that, you don't get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the quote today. Um, it's interesting that you bring that point up because, you know, we know the, the what the fatality rate is like on the people that actually try. So imagine like all the ideas that people have had in their head, like <laughs> like devastating numbers in terms of the amount of businesses that never, that never got started, that never. Well, listen, the, 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 the tragic one. one that we all hear is, Oh, I can't believe I had the idea for Uber like 15 years ago. Oh, I had the idea for Air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. Right. But you didn't do anything about it. Uh, Are you familiar with the uh, the term imposter syndrome? Oh, yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> it keeps coming Int- up. Intimately. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I had never really heard it before until it was maybe like 18 months ago. I had a guest on. And, and she was a, a consultant and she brought it up. She was talking about being an accountability partner and how that's really important for business owners and entrepreneurs just to have that person that you bounce these ideas off of. And I was like, oh, can you elaborate on that? Because I was like, why, why should, you know, an entrepreneur or a business owner have a coach? You know, so she was kind of detailing things and, and she said to deal with imposter syndrome. And I'm like, well, what's that? You know, and I'm a very confident person. I go for things like all the time. I just don't think that much about it. And I was like, Oh, yeah, no, that that doesn't affect me. I don't have that. And it's funny that when you start to, you know, really analyze it and deal with it, you start to see that it pops up in a lot of ways. And just like that, where you could be that person that was saying, Oh, man, I had that great idea. And why didn't you take it? Why didn't you? Uh, why didn't you go after it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I wouldn't even say that's way I wouldn't put that as a definition of imposter syndrome, because imposter syndrome to me is more where someone ha- is successful at something but can't believe it i mean why are people i mean i'll I'll give a classic example uh you know i do a a lot of work with early stage entrepreneurs you know coaching or mentoring or speaking and sometimes i go what are you listening to me for like what do i know (laughs) you know at the and this sense that no, I'm. I I cannot believe that. How did I? How did I end up being successful? I'm. I'm a screw up. Uh, you're talking to the wrong guy. Uh, and so that, that's that's kind of my feeling of the sense of wow. I don't know what I did, but I guess I did something. Right. Somehow I'm in the seat. I remember that kind of happening to me too, where everybody started look for me to me for answers, and I was like, me? <laughs> like, are, you, are you sure? <laughs> like, and then it was, then it became obvious that, you know, I've, I've done enough work that, you know, it, I, there was some validity to it. Um, I, I was in a um, panel discussion and a, and a dual interview with author Chris Kelso uh, last month. And he, he recently wrote and released a book dealing with imposter syndrome. I forgot the name of it, but um, I'm working on getting him on the show as well. And he said in the interview or in the panel discussion afterwards, um, that overachievers and and the go-getters are the ones that really have to deal with imposter syndrome. And you just kind of alluded to that as well. It's like not so much the people that don't get off the couch and take the steps. It's actually much more common amongst people that are, that are going after it because you're, you're You're going after it. Yeah. You're going (laughs) after it. There's so many more opportunities for you to fail where if you're just, you know, not taking any chances, you're really not coming across it as much. Well, this thing I was talking about a moment ago, which is this fear to start, it's a it's a totally natural human impulse because none of us want to look like fools. And I mean, I don't know whether whether you know whether you speak a second language, whether you tried to learn a second language at some mm-hmm. point in your life. But one of the things you quickly realize is that to be good at a second language requires going through a very very long phase of you sounding like you're in kindergarten, <laughs> and um, and that is humbling because no, you don't you don't like. You go, I'm a smart person. I don't, I, I can't believe I can't express myself, but that is the way you learn a language, but it's the way you do anything new. You have to go through this period of not knowing what you're doing and being comfortable with it and being comfortable with making those mistakes and looking foolish. And, uh, but that's how you figure these things out. And it's the people who say, I'm not going to do something. I'm not going to do something unless I can be perfect. Well, yeah, you're never going to do it either. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just, we, you mentioned earlier, I have a new podcast out. Uh, it's not like I, I'm a, I, I know anything about podcasting. What, what do I know? But I go, listen, I could study, I could read. And I did all those things, but I go fundamentally the way I'm going to learn this thing is by actually just doing it and yep. making the mistakes. And the trick is not to avoid making the mistakes for me. It's to avoid making the same mistake twice. 
And if I can do that, I'll pick something up uh, pretty quickly and have an amazingly uh, fun time doing it. Yeah, it is. I, I've been on that path myself. And we'll talk more about that uh, okay. after, after our first break. Cool. Um, a couple of things you just said, though. Uh, I just had, um, do you know Ed Hagen? Uh He's an author. He just released his first book. But the guy's like got this crazy rags to riches story. He was just on. He's He's been senior management at Lehman Brothers and CEO of a bunch of uh, big financial um, firms. But we were talking about, you know, adversity and, and how, once you learn to make adversity kind of an ally, then you, you really, you know, you really get a lot done where you're, you're no longer running from the challenges you're running to them, knowing, having the humility to know that you were going to suck at first, <laughs> you know, you're yeah. going to make mistakes, you're going to fall on your face. But once you get comfortable with that, and I love the language analogy, I, I, I often refer to, um, you know, your ability to survive in business and entrepreneurship is like knowing another language. And again, to tie back into martial arts, jujitsu is very similar because you take a guy that's like a high flyer and you put him in a gi and you're asking him to do these things um, on the ground or with another person's body that is very unfamiliar. And we all look like, like infants, you know, trying to like watch a baby trying to get up. That's what it looks like at first. And it's, it's like really humiliating, especially like if you're, a, you know, you're an athletic person or you're just a person that, you know, really executes well. And all of a sudden you look kind of, you know, like you're missing a limb and you're trying to move around. But the people that succeed are the people that are able to put their ego aside and just say, again, it comes down to the commitment. Like I'm going, I know if I just keep repeating and not making the same mistake over and over again, I will one day be a very advanced form of the thing that I'm, that I'm going after right now. And it really takes a lot of humility to do that. That's kind of funny that you, you found this uh, passion that translates, has so many great analogs to, mm -hmm. uh, to life, which is martial arts. And, you know, for me, it was always the outdoors yep. and all the work I do, all the climbing I do and backcountry stuff. And, and the, the word the way I use for it is I call it, it's a tolerance for adversity mm -hmm. that you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and that once you, once you've mastered that uh, in, in the out, outside world, it's a combination of physical and mental. And in the business world, it's largely mental, but it's no different. It's that yeah. comfort with discomfort. That's like, they say that all the time in, in martial arts academies, you just hear it constantly. Like, you know, you're in, in the middle of like heavy sparring or the cardio. Some of the things that they put you through is a little bit tougher than maybe like a personal trainer is going to put you through. They're like, really you're going through the gauntlet and you'll hear the instructor just saying that get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's just like a message or they send out these regular emails and you just get that line dropped uh, constantly. And it, it, it is, there are parallel universes, martial arts and life, but like martial arts and business. And I, I'm really trying to, the show, I have uh, black belts on all the time that own businesses and like tying the two together. Well, I'm glad you said that made the parallel is business, but it is a parallel to life. I mean, all those, you know, like I, I have young kids, not anymore. Now they're old kids. I had young kids. <laughs> um, and, and listen, you're desperate for them to become hopefully passionate about some of the same things you are. Meaning I, I, I want to I, I, I be able to go out and climb with my kids. So it's not like, oh, this is Mark time. No, no, this is, this is family time. But it's a tricky thing to teach a young person, which is this is going to suck. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going uphill. It's getting cold. Yeah. Uh, how do I balance the reasonable amount of adversity with the reward? And so that you begin to internalize that sometimes some of the best things come with struggle yeah. uh, and not give up at the first. How do you teach someone grit? Uh, and it's funny how those things translate is that you realize no, I, you know, I'm willing to suffer. I mean, and listen, now, as, in, as I've been doing it for 50, 60 years, I'll suffer for a long time in exchange for a deferred reward. Mm -hmm. But that is not something you can do the first time out of the gate. It's something you got to yeah. begin learning when you're a kid that I can suffer for 20 minutes if you give me a regular dose of M&Ms. And then an hour and a half later, we have this great picnic on the top. Wow, well, that was cool. And maybe, maybe later it requires a six or seven days of hauling a sled uh, and not being able to breathe yeah. to get that payoff. But yeah. uh, you learn how to do that. You don't read it in a book. 
No, and they don't teach it in school either. But uh, it's it's interesting that you bring it up about children because we have I've got three of my own, and you know we try to teach that as much as possible. They've also trained martial arts, but they've seen you know they've seen us fail in business and what that looks like. They've seen us succeed. They're part of the daily process, and I don't care if they become entrepreneurs or open their own business. But I, I think it's important that they at least see that and understand intimately like what it takes because it it plays out in the way they interact with the world around them as well yeah we could certainly do a whole show here just a, <laughs> uh, uh, translating it to kids but it's really it's it's this other incredibly interesting thing when you tie people when you have your kids tied into seeing you either seeing you do a sport you love mm-hmm. which requires suffering but also when they see you doing a business that you love that requires suffering and failure um, and they begin to imprint upon themselves that what is work? And they go, wow, it's not easy, but wow, he, he enjoy, gets such pleasure out of this. It is a thing which fundamentally is not, oh, my God, he's going off to labor in the coal mines and hates every minute of it. It's something that brings him great fulfillment and joy. And that, that imprints, too. There's yeah. so many interesting parallels between how you shape your own life and how those things can imprint on uh, on kids. All right. We're going to take our first break. We'll be back in just a minute, everybody. Hang tight. We'll see you in a few. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. everybody welcome back again you're listening to the entrepreneurial web i'm your host jeremiah fox today speaking with mark randolph again you might have heard of him before he's one of the co-founders and first ceos of netflix among many other things but we're here today talking about his new podcast that'll never work and you alluded to it earlier in the first segment like starting a podcast i mean 
most of us, it's a newer medium. Most of us uh, didn't grow up with it. There aren't many books about it and you probably shouldn't read them anyways. So why, why are you starting a podcast? <laughs> so uh, the funny thing is what I do in the podcast I've been doing for 20 plus years, mm -hmm. which this is not a interview show that I do where I bring on celebrity entrepreneurs or anything like that. I'm really working with early stage entrepreneurs and I'm mentoring them. It's a live mentoring session essentially, but I've been doing that for, like I said, ever since I left Netflix, you know, got almost 20 years ago. Okay. Um, and I still do those calls. You know, people call up and they have a challenge either, you know, they have a personal challenge or they have a marketing challenge or technology challenge. And I'll spend time walking through the problem, helping them uh, think about it a little bit. And what I kind of realized a few years ago is that a lot of these calls are covering similar topics. Um, and I go, I'm just going to begin recording the calls. And that way, if someone uh, call, call, approaches me with something, I can actually just say, listen to this. Uh, and I began doing that. And w one of the things I expected to happen did happen, which is that people called back and said, wow, this actually was helpful. This was a very similar problem to the one I had. And it was great hearing you coach this person through it. But there was two unexpected parts to it. And one was that people were saying it was great to hear that there was someone else struggling with the same thing. Because in many ways, being an entrepreneur is a very lonely profession. Mm -hmm. You're struggling with something that you feel no one's ever wrestled with before. There's no one really you can talk to about it. You spend a lot of time by yourself. And it was, people were saying it was wonderful realizing I'm not alone. And perhaps the most unexpected part was that people were saying that these calls were actually interesting, almost as a form of entertainment. Mm -hmm. They were going, I was empathizing with this person. I was so curious to hear, are you going to like the idea or dislike the idea? What direction are you going to go with it? And that gave me the confidence that maybe I could make this available a bit more broadly. Um, and I thought, I'll give it a shot. And as I said, I had never done a podcast before. And of course, I listen to them all the time. And there's always the temptation to go, oh, how hard is it just to talk? But of course... Uh, <laughs> All these mediums have unique aspects to them. They're harder than you think. Um, but for me, that was exciting. There's nothing more intellectually stimulating than learning something new. And so I began going through the motions. I did beta podcasts. I basically called people up and said, let's pretend it's a podcast. We're going to do it as if it was real. And I did four that way and learned a ton and took what I learned, changed the format, changed the methodology, changed my screening, did four more, uh, and then learned a lot, did four more, and finally said, okay, I'm ready to start making my mistakes in public now. Not that I had mastered it. Um, and we relaunched the podcast in February, and I'm just about to start recording season two, and I've got a long list of stuff that I'm going to improve on, and it, it's fascinating. But what's great is that I had this fear that the people I'd be mentoring who were all real people, with real early stage problems that I'd run out of things to talk about, that it would all be about technology or all be about go to market or raising money. But it's remarkable how, A, how diverse the problems are, how interesting the businesses are, how unique the people are, but how many of these things are uh, intellectual and emotional struggles how do I deal with a co-founder? How do I um, keep my family uh, balanced? What, one of the episodes we released a few weeks ago was with a gentleman who's starting the 60,000 square foot indoor adventure park, you know, with zip lining and rappelling and, and alcohol, you know, what can go wrong there? Oh, yeah. uh, but he wasn't worried about risk management or, or those pieces. <laughs> right, liability. Uh, not, not that he shouldn't have been. <laughs> he was going, I've got three kids under eight and I'm married. How do and I have a business which is going to be open 18 hours a day, seven days a week. How do I possibly keep both of these things from going under? Um, the one that released, uh, you know, I'm not sure when, when you and I are going to be aired, but the one that's released most recently is a woman who has an online erotic art gallery. Uh, where she curates erotic art, um, and she's struggling with how do I get attention? This is something that everybody wants to hear talked about, but no one wants to talk about. This is one of those things which uh, in some ways is 
perfectly set to be a social media promoted business, but all it's going to take is one slip and uh, I'm going to be banned. And how do you navigate these things? So these really interesting questions and problems and really compelling people and this unbelievably interesting collection of businesses. Yeah, no, they're out there. The, the, the well is deep. Um, have, you, uh, have you utilized Clubhouse at all yet? I have. Um, I really like Clubhouse. And I think like everyone else who's on Clubhouse, we're all playing with what's the best way to use this medium. Yeah. But in some ways, it's a great follow-on to podcasting because podcasting sure. has kind of demonstrated that ironically for someone like myself who is, has such a big hand in getting everyone to spend more time in front of screens – it's this purely audio um, environment. But what podcast does is bring the level of spontaneity even higher and brings audience engagement in, which I think is the really interesting piece, that there's yeah. always the chance you're going to get brought up on stage. You're going to get a chance to ask a question. In the event you do have someone who's well-known, it's a chance to interact with someone who you may never have gotten the chance, um, chance to do. So I have been... Um, I'm going to be experimenting with doing, see, the podcast is called That Will Never Work. Uh, and I'm going to start doing some of That Will Never Work live on, uh, on Clubhouse and, nice. and see how that goes. But, yeah. of course, the advice is, listen, you can't just do your podcast on Clubhouse because you may as well just listen to the podcast. So the question is, how do you structure it in a way that takes mm -hmm. advantage of that uh, medium? So there you go. More yeah. learning, more uh, sounding like a kindergartner again. But but you can use it as a lead generator for the podcast for sure. Um, oh, absolutely! You know, somehow connected uh, where the name is kind of implicit in whatever your rooms are, but not exactly. And well, well clearly, it's it's building some engagement with people yeah. who are interested in this category and letting them know you can come certainly here and listen here on Clubhouse and begin learning a bit more about how to be more successful as taking your idea and turning it into reality, but also be exposed to other resources. Uh, to doing that, one of which is the podcast. But one of the ways that I'm incredibly fortunate as a person is I've gotten to the point in my life, I don't need to do a lot of things I don't want to do. And so I'm, I'm not usually very receptive to doing something because it will help something else. It needs yeah. to also have a immediate gratification. Um, and I've kind of said that, I listen, I just this morning, I did an hour call with an entrepreneur, nobody listening, just me and the mm -hmm. entrepreneur. So I would do that anyway. Right. So if I can spend time on Clubhouse or in a podcast helping someone else take this idea and make it real, um, I'm all in. And if I can do it in a way that's more leveraged, um, mm. that's even better. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. All right, we're going to take another break. Everybody, hang tight. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift educate empower hey everybody it's tommy d the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic each week here on talkradio.nyc i host a program philanthropy and focus nonprofits impact us each and every day and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc.
Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in again, you're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, talking here with Mark Randolph about his new podcast, That Will Never Work. You brought up an interesting point last segment about Clubhouse being audio only and how that kind of loosens people up a little bit more than video. I've had a few people who I wouldn't have thought would have rejected my invitation on the show because it was video. They were like, oh, I can't do video. Like they were nervous and scared and like very outgoing people. I was kind of confused, but whatever. Uh, people people have their things. Uh, will your show be, is it audio and video or is it audio only or will you do a mix of the two? It's, it's both of course, but it's focused on, it's, it's meant to be an audio experience. Okay. I mean, certainly we have video, mm-hmm. but there's no... It's basically video of people talking. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'm not sure what that adds, uh, as opposed to saying, we don't have a lot of things like, okay, and then you do this and you move your hands around. No, it's got to work. I mean, I imagine people listening to this while they're walking their dog or washing dishes. Uh, And if you do want to watch it while you're sitting in front of a screen, well, it works for that too. It'll be available that way. So what's the, what's the expression? I mean, I, I think it's that what, what Washington is Hollywood for ugly people that uh, I think, uh, or politics is, is <laughs> Hollywood for ugly people, but it's a, uh, I think in some ways that uh, all audio kind of takes a appearance piece out of the equation and it really makes you focus on the thought and on your ability to be able to communicate um, a thought and be able to have engaging conversations. And I, that's the part that I like about it. You know, when I when I was invited to host this show a couple of years ago, they told me I had a great face for radio. <laughs> there you go. That's the expression. They wouldn't let me do video for the first couple of weeks, but I convinced them. You cleaned up. You cleaned up. Well, <laughs> cleaned so. up all right. Oh, there. Were, you should have seen some of those episodes. They were rough. Um, <laughs> uh, you uh, you also said a couple other things. Um, I have a. a uh, a mentor. He's one of my first bosses. I first started w- working for this gentleman uh, in like 1992 or 93 as a teenager. And he's gone on to franchises, restaurants, and he's gotten into uh, commercial and high-end residential um, development, housing, real estate, um, quite successful. And it's just been a mentor to me my whole life. And he, he often says uh, he's hosting some pretty hot clubhouse rooms himself lately, but uh, he's doing something similar to you where he's, he's doing a lot of one-on-one coaching with people he has for years. Um, And he says often this, this uh, bit about entrepreneurship and, and, you know, business ownership being lonely. And, And I think it especially comes from, uh, it's generational where, you know, people that got into it at a, you know, a certain point in history, we were, we were definitely left alone, right? It wasn't the, the word entrepreneurship was not really like a buzzword, um, where we were coming up the way it is now. And he asked me, he kind of singled me out. He does often, um, which is great because uh, he's making me better. But he asked me, I think it was last week in his room, if there was something I could go back and tell my young entrepreneurial self what would it be? And the one thing that I said was that I'd go back and tell myself, you're not alone. Like you don't have to do this alone. Like you will, it's impossible. First of all, like there's nobody that just does it like completely on their own. Um, I think maybe these days you could probably pull up a digital business by yourself. You would certainly be limited on like 
you know, but still you have to have servers and all these things. I mean, it just doesn't, you're never, you're never alone. And that mentality is just really, it's really fateful, you know? No, it's, it's, it's really true. It's, there's a reason that the most stable startup configuration is two people. Mm. Uh, and the, the obvious one is, of course, you double the skill set you can bring to a problem with two people. But I think the more valuable one is the emotional stability it brings to the problem. And, and you know, when, when I, you know, Netflix was my sixth startup. So I had been doing startups for, you know, 30 some odd year, 25 years. And I decided I didn't want to do another one. At least I didn't want to do another one where I was the sole, not the sole founder, but I was the seven by 24 responsible. But, you know, listen, you can't walk away. You can, you, I can't stop being an entrepreneur, uh, be like trying to stop breathing. You yeah. know, I could do it for three minutes, maybe. And then I begin getting weak. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, so, but, I realized it also had young kids did not want to do the seven by 24 thing. And so for me, this, uh, mentoring if, is the, is my methadone. It's my way of kind of breaking that addiction. It's kind of getting what I need about being part of solving problems of starting a business of being around the table with the smart people solving the hard problems without having the seven by 24 responsibility. But as I was kind of casting about for how to do this, um, I was recognizing that in many ways, just being an advisor was very superficial. It was all pattern recognition and that the really way to be helpful was to be willing to invest enough time to really understand. Mm-hmm. And this brings us back to what we're talking about here is that you realize there is this hole that almost every founder or even a founding team has which is that there's nobody they can talk to about what they're struggling with. And I don't mean because it's secret, um, but for example, it's not really appropriate sometimes to talk with your employees about some of the real existential problems you're facing with a business. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not appropriate to talk to your board or your investors (laughs) because you're scared about how they'll perceive as you're talking about what you think might be real vulnerabilities, perhaps even in yourself. Um, you can talk to your peers because they'll get it from a I've been there perspective, but they're not going to really understand the business or the problems well enough to give you specific enough advice that you haven't already thought of. That there is nobody who simultaneously understands the business well enough, but yet is completely impartial and completely on your side. And I kind of realized that that could be a role that someone like myself could play. And again, it's not entirely altruistic. That also would allow me to then have that feeling of being part of, if I was willing to invest the time to learn the product, to learn the market, to learn the technology, to learn the people, to know the competitors, to learn who the co-founders were, and to understand who the founder or founders were, that there was a very, very special role I could play, which would actually benefit, uh, benefit all of us. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the way, you know, I was mentioning earlier, um, I had this coach come on the show and, and that was kind of how she described it. Like it was it, very important that they understood business. And in fact, maybe even had failed because you're constantly facing that, right? You're always, you're just, oh, that's, that's the biggest concern. It's just like failure, you know? Um, it's kind of, it's kind of good to have somebody that's been through that because they understand the emotional process. Cause that's what typically walks us to the edge, you know, <laughs> we're looking at the ledge, we're looking down, like thinking I'm going to jump. It, it's about the emotions, um, and cash flow. <laughs> yeah. There's two pieces to it really. Cause there is the, they've, you need to have the experience where not everything being thrown at you is foreign it's, by its very nature. Some pieces of it are foreign. But it doesn't all have to be foreign. And uh, when you're starting out, everything's foreign. And bringing in people who have gray hair, I mean, figuratively have gray hair, have <laughs> been, been, been down that path a few times, they can at least help you screen away all the stuff that, oh, that's, that's a more trivial thing. We can solve that. Let's focus on this one that neither of us have any clue because no one's done it before. As well as that emotional support of, like you said, just being able to say, A, you're not alone. And B, let's let's talk. Figure out how we're going to get get past this. I mean, I I have one company I'm working with, which 
and, and I've worked with this um, founder for a long time in multiple businesses of his, and, and he's holding on for dear life. I mean, he's by the fingernails and he knows what to do. So of course we do talk about that, about the advice piece of it. But fundamentally, the more important thing I say is you're going to look back at this when you get through it and you will get through it, but you're going to look back on this period as being the most intense, fulfilling, exciting part of building a company. And when I look back on Netflix, uh, I can remember some of the really exciting times and everything was going well and we all pumped our fists in the air. But the things that I really remember viscerally, deeply, with tremendous excitement and satisfaction was the most desperate times. Because yeah. that's when we were all in. That's when we were living in the moment. That's when we were bonding together as a team. Um, and well, that's, someone yeah. know, I know, again, I know this sucks, but <laughs> look back fondly on it later. No, and that's when we learn. I mean, studies have shown like humans, humans take on much more information under pressure than they do when, you know, when things are easy, you, you have this tendency to drift. You're not in like, uh, you know, fight or flight mode. So what do you have to worry about? You know, but when things are kind of the alarms are going off, you're hyper-focused, you're, you're taking on a lot more information. Yeah. Um, something that two people I've heard say, Ed Hajim said it last week, and, and my mentor says it all the time as well. Um, at, at, a certain, at a certain point, you know, of your maturity as an entrepreneur, um, you, and you've talked about it too, you have almost like this inclination to help. Like there's some satisfaction you get out of that. And again, you're not pot committed to these businesses, like you said, where it's like, oh my God, this is my life now, but you're, you're still a, a major part of the process. Um, and, and there, there's this sense of satisfaction that really comes, uh, that these, you know, at least these two, uh, you know, very successful entrepreneurs have described to me. Is that something you, uh, you relate to? Well, when we come back from break, why don't we talk briefly about that, this, where that purpose may, uh, may come oh. from. Cause it's actually a kind of surprising story, even for, uh, even for me. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, let's take a break and then we'll hop right back into that. All right, everybody hang tight. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauber, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. everybody we're back we're going to wrap this one up here talking with mark randolph among other things host of the new podcast that'll never work and mark has a story to share with us 
(laughs) (laughs) Story time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because the the lead in, as you may recall from before, from the previous segment was was that we were talking about where kind of this desire to help people comes from. Um, And for a long time, I kind of thought this was not altruism. This was just me getting my startup fix. Right. Like someone else was letting me play <laughs> with their, their baby. Um, but uh, something happened to me. And I got to warn you, this story has a, a starts. It's probably, I'm trying to win the competition for most obnoxious start to a story ever. So here Beautiful. it goes. So, okay. So my wife and I were hanging out on Richard Branson's private Island. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you, I think you won. You won. <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness. So we were, uh, Richard Branson has, has a charity that he runs these events that are for largely nonprofits and people come in and volunteer their time to speak and they, they hire, charge people to come and, and listen and spend time. And, and he, volu- he, he, he gives up one of his houses. This was his, his main house uh, down in the British Virgin Islands. And the theme of this conference that I was being asked to speak at was called Finding Your Purpose. And I was coming down to talk about how all the things that I've learned in my 40-some years as an entrepreneur, all those same tips and tricks and secrets that I use to start businesses can be used by anybody who's trying to take an idea and make it real. Um, and it was for a, 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 a Australian business women's organization. And I was kind of going, eh. I'm not sure I want to hang out in the island for four days with a bunch of middle-aged business women. Um, but I go, what the hell? I'll go and I'll give my little, I'll do my hour bit. And then you and me, my wife will go hang out on the beach. She goes, I'm all in. Um, and I went, and I was entirely wrong. These women were unbelievably fun and smart and driven and talented. And we had an amazing time. But what happened was, so the theme is finding your purpose. And I do my bit in my hour and I decide I'm going to stick around and hear a little bit about what this finding your purpose stuff's all about. And I'm listening to other speakers come up and it was, well, it was life-changing because what they were really speaking to these women who were all extremely successful was you've achieved great things in your business life, but now what, what do you do with the platform? And I realized they were speaking to me. I was at this point where I could go and do a keynote speech and I'd get 10,000 people to sit in the chair for an hour. But what do you do with that? And I could write an essay and I'd get people to read it. I could do a book and people to read it. But what do you do with that? And what I kind of concluded is that my purpose, if I had something, was this realization that we all have these ideas and that for most people, those ideas are stuck. We all have businesses we're struggling to get going, and that I do have the skills to help people move them to the next level, to take what might be a side gig and make it a real business, take a real business and make it an even bigger business. And that that was my purpose. And, and I kind of changed course right then and there. That's what led me to write the book, which was That Will Never Work as right. well. It's what led me um, a year and a half later to start the podcast. What leads me to say I like spending time on the phone to work with college programs, to work with other entrepreneur things is that I, I've realized that I can't change the trajectory of everybody's life, but I can change a few. And my one last little bit on this subject, my brother, my brother is an investment banker, works for a big bank in New York. And he periodically goes up to the small liberal arts school in the Northeast that he went to to recruit for other bankers. And it so happens that two of my kids went to that same college. And so I've been going there to work with their entrepreneurship program for years. And him and I have this competition where we jokingly say that we are fighting for kids' souls. He's trying to convince them to come to New York and be an investment banker. And I'm trying to convince them to come to San Francisco and live six people in an apartment and eat ramen. And I got to say, in this battle, he's considerably better armed than I am. Yeah. But it's okay. If, if I can find those handful of kids who really want to be an entrepreneur and are fighting that um, – Hat, that tide, which is dragging them toward doing something that society thinks they should do, which is being a doctor or a lawyer or a banker or a hedge fund. 
and I can say, no, no, let's do the thing you're passionate about, then I, I've done something uh, great. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, there, there, there are fewer people that really want to take that on and even fewer that will succeed. So it makes sense that the numbers are a little staggered that way. Yeah. yeah and, and, and listen, some people, I'm, I have, you know, friends of my children who use, they're six years old and they're going, I want to be a veterinarian. And then lo and behold, 20 years later, they're a veterinarian. Yeah. And I go, all power to you. <laughs> But so many young people have no clue what they want to be. And so they're drawn to the things that someone else tells them they should be, both explicitly, but also implicitly. And yeah. and I'm just kind of saying, no, if you have this hint that you might want to do this thing, which seems maybe a little bit less crazy than when you and I started doing it, but still seems crazy in a way, let me give you some support mm. and say that, A, it can be an amazing life. Um, and once you've started, let me see what I can do to help you get a little bit further down the path. Well, and, and going back to the idea of helping people, even other entrepreneurs, I mean, I feel like really implicit in the idea of being an entrepreneur is solving problems, right? That's what we do. We like understand there's an issue, something that needs assistance, and we figure out a way to do it. And that's how the business is born. Sometimes it's born out of our passion, but sometimes it's just you just make it up as you're going along, right? So that idea to just help is, is I think it's innate as part of the DNA of an entrepreneur. Sure, but there are skills to solving problems yeah. that you've learned uh, <laughs> over time, which is not a one size, it's an approach. And, and this is a, another great analogy here is that, you know, I do a lot of mountaineering. And so I've taken pretty extensive first aid training you know, it's first responder training. It's higher levels of basically someone's going to be hurt and they're not going to get to a hospital for perhaps 48 to 48 to 72 hours. Yeah. So this is not just throw them in the back of an ambulance. And when something happens, it's there's this panicky feeling. And what you have to recognize is, no, there are certain things that are important. There's, are they breathing? Because if they're not breathing, I don't care what the hell happened to them, they're going to die. Are they bleeding? And so it's like once those two things are taken care of, you can sit back and go, they're not going to die. Right. They may be in deep shit, but they're not going to die. And and business problems are like that. There's a hundred things on fire. Everything's broken. (laughs) Nothing's completely uh, uh, inadequately resourced. But the problem solving is, wait, back up. There's a hundred things here. 95 of them are not important. Let's help. Let's figure out together the methodology to figure out the two that are important. Then let's work in ways that you're going to be able to put the blinders on and not be distracted by all the rest Mm -hmm. and focus on those two. Because if you get those two right, the rest go away. And that dual skill set, identifying the key levers and then having the discipline to focus on them, that's something that can be taught. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other thing I wanted to point out, and I'm sure you're aware of this too, um, you know, in all the dealings uh, that I'm, I'm involved in and do some consultation myself and um, masterminds and clubhouse rooms, there's also a, a very large segment of the older population who in the last year realized kind of the fragility of their professional life <laughs> where they thought they were safe uh, with the company or potentially that you could just go to another one. And all of a sudden they're realizing, wow, like, I really don't have a say in what's happening. Maybe I've thought about doing this thing for myself. Maybe now is the time. So I think that the timing for the release of your podcast is, is pretty impeccable because there's, there's a much larger audience. It's not just young people coming out of school that have no idea what they want to do. And they may, it's, it's also this professional segment who, who just really got the veil lifted off their, their eyes of, of what, you know, what their existence really is in the workforce. And they're saying, man, I'd like to know a little bit more, see a little bit more of what's coming because they're, they're invested in property, you know, all kinds of things. Um, so I feel like you, you, you've got a big reach. You've got a big audience potentially it, for this. It's very true. It's in, it, it is explicitly not just for young people who are starting companies. It is really for almost anyone who has some challenge they're trying to to take that's going in a new direction. And yes, a lot of it is about starting businesses or again, taking existing ones to the next level. But so many of these things that I talk about, so many of the skills and disciplines and approaches are applicable for anything. 
And the person, especially if you're at a big company and you're going, I've got to begin thinking differently. Thinking differently does not necessarily mean quitting your job and going and launching something in your garage. It could just mean approaching your own job in a slightly different way. But that approach of trying something which you don't know if it's going to work or not is the exact same thing that the college student does, the exact same thing the 20-something does, the exact same thing that you and I have done many, many times. It's just saying, I'm not sure how I'm going to solve this problem. There's no obvious answer. How do I start? And that's what being an entrepreneur is all about. Yeah. And the, the idea of knowing why you're doing it, I think is important. We've talked about commitment early on and a lot of people say, how do I do this? And sometimes you, you've said it many times in the show, you don't, you won't know immediately, but if you know why you're doing it and you're committed to the process, often how will reveal itself just through your commitment and life and opportunity. You know? Yeah. Fall in love with the problem. Don't yeah. fall in love with the idea because the idea is going right. to go away, but the problem gets richer. Right. Well, my, my mentor always says, what is a problem? A problem is an opportunity. There you go. They're not, they're (laughs) not going away. They're not going away. So we got to wrap up. Um, where, where will people be able to find the podcast? Where like some of the main places? So uh, that will never work is the name of the podcast available on all the major podcasting platforms. You should be able to find it any place. And for all other things, uh, Mark Randolph, you can just go to markrandolph.com. That's Mark with a C, Randolph with a P-H at the end. Uh, and from there, you'll find links to all the other ways you can find my content, slice dice to whatever length that your attention span can handle. Very nice. Awesome. Well, it's really been a pleasure having you on the show and, uh, and speaking with you. I look forward to, to checking out That'll Never Work and uh, encourage the rest of you. Go check it out, whether you're just trying to get through the day or trying to launch a business or change your career. It's, Sounds like it's going to be a lot of good, good stories and good messages in there. It's all opportunity. Well, thanks very much, Jeremiah. My pleasure. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Peace out. at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military, and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. 
Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 